Good morning, everyone. Let me get this over. Is this about right? Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see you all today, and uh, I have the opportunity, the privilege to, to share with you. And as you know, we've been in a uh, series kind of looking at, um, maybe the best way to put it is uh, doing the works of Jesus uh, and doing that through the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, this morning I want to read a scripture and then we'll dive into the message. But before I read it, I'd like for us to pray. So let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the church where we can come together and encounter you and encounter your love and your grace in our life. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for this body of believers. And we ask now, Lord, that you would uh, continue to move in our midst as we've touched your presence through worship. We ask now, Lord, that we might touch your presence through the word and that uh, you would speak life into us. Uh, As your people, Lord, we want to give ourselves to what you're calling us into. And so we ask now that you would uh, speak to us by your spirit. Open our hearts, open our eyes to everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning I want to read from a scripture, uh, uh, and I'll be reading from several scriptures, but this is in Luke 9, beginning in verse 37. Uh, and uh, let, me, let me just begin that. The next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Jesus responds, O unbelieving And perverse generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. For a number of years, when I would read this passage, uh, I thought this was another story about the incompetence of the disciples. You know, uh, when you look through the scriptures, you find many times that uh, the disciples are just not getting it. Uh, It's like uh, it's like they uh, they're really modeling what it is to be uh, a bad disciple an incompetent disciple. And so, you know, you you think about the time when uh, Jesus told Peter and the rest of the disciples for the first time that they were going to go to Jerusalem and he was going to die. And Peter tries to talk him out of it. And then the time when the disciples come to him and they say, who will be the greatest in the kingdom? Talking about themselves. Again, missing the whole point of the kingdom, and that is... uh, Pouring out yourself in service and then James and John arguing whether they would sit at Jesus' right or in his left hand when he comes into his kingdom. So over and over again you have these stories 
And I would read this story, and I would think, well, this is, this is another one of, of the incompetence of the disciples. I had this view of the disciples, you know. They're following Jesus as they're going down the road, and Jesus stops, and they all run into each other. You know, they just, they're just not paying attention. They're not getting it. Uh, uh, they, they can't figure, figure it. Instead of, you know, uh, uh, Peter, James, and John, it was more like Larry, Moe, and Curly. You know, you, uh, these guys were just missing it all the time. And I thought, well, here's another one. They're missing it. But then the Lord began to speak to me. He said, Mark, this, this is not a story about how not to be a disciple. This is a story about true discipleship. Here they're getting it. And so I began to look at the story in a different way to see what was being said here. So what does it mean to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ? What does it mean for us to be true disciples of Jesus Christ? And uh, the first thing I, I see in this passage is that uh, a disciple is a person who believes what Jesus has said. They believe it. They believe it enough to act upon it. If, uh, if, you, if you go back to the first chapter, uh, I mean, if you go back to the first part of chapter 9 of Luke's gospel, the chapter we just read, we were reading from the middle of it. But I want, you, I want to read the first two verses in that chapter. And this is what it says, Luke 9, 1 and 2. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So here what Jesus is saying to them is, I'm going to give you power and authority to do what I've been doing. I'm going to give you the power and authority to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to proclaim the kingdom, to share the gospel in such a way that the Spirit is in that sharing and it, and it can bring people into the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying, I'm giving you this. I give you my power and my authority. Now, what does that mean? He gives us his power and his authority. Well, I would say that authority is the right to do something. The power is the ability to do it. And so Jesus is saying here, I'm going to give you the right and the power to do what I've been doing. And, and, he, and he speaks of that authority that's authority coming from him he's basically saying i'm kind of i'm going to transfer into you disciples my authority and my power so that you can do what i've been doing and i want you to reproduce what i've been doing in in this ministry uh power uh, the authority the right power the ability uh the authority comes from who jesus is the power comes from the anointing of the Spirit upon Jesus, and he's going to give that to the disciples. He's giving them the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might say, well, what's the difference between this time in Jesus' ministry when he gives them the power of the Holy Spirit 
and the day of Pentecost when they received the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, the difference is this. Jesus is imparting to them his anointing to do his ministry as disciples. After his resurrection at Pentecost, he was putting the Holy Spirit within them. As a matter of fact, Jesus says this in John fourteen seventeen. This is right before he goes to the cross. And he's telling the disciples, the Spirit abides with you, but he will be in you. So at this point, Jesus is simply transferring the Holy Spirit to be with them to do the works that he's doing. But he's saying one day, that's the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit will be in you to do these works. He will be inside of you. So we have this authority and power. The other thing that I think that we see here is that Jesus is basically saying to the disciples, I'm going to give you a pre-Pentecost experience of my ministry. I'm going to give you a pre-Pentecost experience of the power and authority that you will receive on the day of Pentecost. Uh, you might put it this way. He's giving them a, test, a pre-Pentecost test drive of the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm sharing my spirit with you so that you can go out and do the works that I've been doing. You have authority and power. Our authority comes from our union with Jesus Christ. We are one with him. His life is within us, so we have his authority because he is uh, the king of the universe. And he's giving us that authority. And we have his power through the Holy Spirit being within us. It's the Spirit who brings the presence of Jesus into us. And it is the Spirit who fills us in order that we might have this power to do the works of Jesus, to live the life of Jesus, uh, all that he calls us into through the Holy Spirit. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have his authority and you have his power. Now, I find that a lot of people uh, really have a hard time believing that. Uh, and I think one of the reasons is that when, we, when we're thinking, do I really have his power, we're kind of looking for, I find a lot of believers are looking for some kind of spiritual fizz <laughs> that indicates you have the power, you know. You know, I, I know I'll have the anointing if the, I feel the anointing upon me. Uh, that I know I have this power when I feel I have this power. And so I think the reason a lot of folks are not giving themselves to the works of Jesus, giving themselves to what Jesus is saying here about healing and about uh, uh, deliverance and about sharing the gospel is that uh, we just don't feel like we have the power within us. We're looking for some kind of mystical experience and uh, that will prove that we have the power. Now, I'll say there have been times where I have sensed the Holy Spirit on me when I minister. But many times I don't. As a matter of fact, I would say many times when I minister, I feel a million miles away from any sense of anointing upon me. 
And so what I want to say to you is that the anointing doesn't come upon you before the act of ministry. It comes on you during the act of ministry. You have to give yourself (laughs) to the works of Jesus. And in that, the Spirit shows up. It's a believing what Jesus says. You, you believe it by giving yourself to it. Uh, and as I said many times in my life, uh, I have sensed no anointing. I'll tell you a story. When uh, we were in Mexico, which was back in the mid-80s, and uh, we were there for three years in mission work, and so I was trying to get the Spanish language down. I'll have to say I'm not sure I ever really got it down. And, uh, but the first time I was going to preach in Spanish, uh, so I was really excited about it. I worked on the message. I was ready to go. And it was in a little house church. There were about 15 or 20 people there. And, uh, and in front of me was a, a, we're kind of in a circle, and I was standing in, but in front of me was a couch with three teenage girls on it. So I launched into my message. And, um. And they started giggling. And uh, the more I preached, the more tickled they got. And it was, I I think it was probably because of my uh, inadequate Spanish at the time. And uh, so I I kept going with it and going with it. And they were just getting, they were laughing more and more. And so at uh, some point I thought, well, I got to land this bird because before it crashes, you know. And... um, so I, I tried to bring it to a conclusion, and the Lord said to me, I want you to give me an invitation. And I was thinking in my head, I don't know if I can conjugate an invitation at this point. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I, I cobbled together some kind of invitation, and three people got saved that night. And the, and the Lord said to me, he said, Mark, I don't need your sloppy Spanish, and I don't need your perfect English. I need your obedience. Give yourself to what I'm calling you to do, and you'll see my works in you. So, and if you had asked me, did you feel the anointing that night? No. I mean, I was functioning in a culture I didn't know, in a language I certainly didn't know. I felt a million miles away from any anointing. I was doubting that anything was happening. And... And what the, what the Lord was saying to me is, you know, I don't need these things. I just need you to obey. Give yourself to what I've called you to do. And, and that's true for us. We, as we give ourselves to this, we, we see the anointing of God begin to work in our lives. So a disciple is someone who believes what Jesus has said. And Jesus says, to the disciples, I give you my power and authority. Now go out and do my works. Secondly, a disciple is someone who does what Jesus says. Now, uh, the story that I read to you in the beginning uh, is an interesting story. So Jesus and the three of the disciples have just been up on Mount Tabor where Jesus was transfigured. Before them, and uh, and the disciples uh, that were with Jesus, basically what they were seeing was a preview of the second coming of Jesus. 
Jesus in his glorified presence. As a matter of fact, Peter talks about this in his letter. And John mentions it too. Remember in the first chapter of John it says, We have seen his glory. So they had it was a powerful experience. So they're coming down the mountain after this wonderful experience that they had in seeing Jesus glorified. And as they come down the mountain, there's this scene. It's a messy scene. It's a chaotic scene. First of all, there's this crowd gathered around. Secondly, there, uh, there's a man with a demonized boy. And I, I would imagine at this time, because of what all has been going on, the boy may be even manifesting. With uh, The demon may be manifesting through the boy. And then there were... As he came down and looked at this scene, there were religious leaders who were arguing. Now, that's not said in Luke's gospel, but it is said in Mark's gospel. It said the religious leaders were arguing. And I I would imagine what's going on. They're arguing with the disciples. I I can hear the argument something like this. You you said you're agents of the kingdom. This, This man you follow claims to be the Messiah, and and you can't even drive out this demon. So here's this chaotic scene going on with the religious leaders arguing with the disciples and the disciples arguing back. And, and, and Jesus looks at all this and says, what is going on here? And the father recognizes Jesus and he runs to him and he explains. He said, you know, my son is demonized. It constantly is manifesting in his life, causing all kind of chaos. And I brought him to your disciples so that they might heal him and they couldn't do it and that's when jesus says these words oh you unbelieving and perverse generation jesus replied how long shall i stay with you and put up with you bring your son here now i don't think he was saying that to the father i think he's saying to everybody in the scene you know what in the world is this going on here it's just a mess and um We're, if we look upon that scene, we can be quick to be critical of the disciples. That here they attempted to cast out a demon and they couldn't do it. But let me ask you this question. If you were there that day, where would you have been? Would you have been with the religious leaders arguing over the fact that they couldn't cast out the demon? Would you have been with the gawkers, the crowd, kind of watching what's all going on? Or would you have been in the middle of it, trying to do what Jesus called you to do? To give yourself to the works of of Jesus. And that's why I think this is a great story on how to be a disciple. Because here are the disciples. They've heard Jesus say, I give you my power and my authority to cast out demons. And they're going for it. So we're going to give ourselves to this. You see, I think many times the reason we don't go for it is because there is risk involved. There's always risk involved in ministry. You know, we, we think, well, I'm not going to do something that might not work. I'm not going to give myself to something that may not happen. And so we begin to pull back. 
do we have enough faith to do what Jesus has called us to do? To begin to give ourselves to his works. Don't wait to get it right. Start. Start giving yourself to what Jesus has called us to do. To heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to share the gospel. To proclaim the kingdom that he's, he's called us into. Uh, let, me, let me tell you a story out of uh, John Wimber's life. John, many of you know, was the founder of the Vineyard. Uh, had such an incredible impact upon the church and his ministry. I heard one person say uh, that, uh, as a matter of fact, this person was from England. He said, I don't think anybody has had a spiritual impact upon Great Britain uh, since John Wesley as John Wimber. Tremendous, gifted man in the spirit. But early on in his ministry, he was reading, uh, he was doing a series on the Gospel of Luke. And obviously he saw over and over again where Jesus was healing and he was calling the disciples to pray for the sick. And uh, he felt like the Lord was saying, John, I want you to pray for the sick every time you can. It doesn't matter when, just pray for the sick. So John would uh, set up the services where uh, at the end of the service they would call people that they had a need, they could come, and they would pray for them. And John said over the next several months, everybody they prayed for either didn't get better or they got worse, you know. And, and John came back to the Lord and said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. And, John, and the Lord said, John, I told you to pray for the sick. And so he said, okay, we'll keep doing it. And um, so one day this guy calls John during the day, and he says, John, my wife is sick. And uh, I'm here with the kids. I've got to go to work. He said, could you come over and pray for my wife? And so John's driving over there, and he's thinking in his head, if this lady doesn't get well, I'm going to be end up babysitting the kids so this guy can go to work. So he goes to the house, and the fellow invites him into the, um, to the house and then takes him back to where his wife is. And uh, John prays for her. And then he said, I was turning to the husband to tell him why she probably wouldn't get well. And the lady says, I'm healed. And she just, you know, she's so excited that she's completely healed in an instant. And John said on the way back to the church, I said to God, hot dog, we got one. (laughs) But that was the beginning of an incredible supernatural ministry that John gave himself to so that he eventually saw the blind receive their sight, and the cripple, the lame, uh, receive healing. Because why? The way you have to give yourself to it. You have to begin to believe and say, Lord, I, if you're called us to this, we give ourselves to it. And you say, well, you know, why isn't everyone healed when we pray for them? Well, you know, I'm not sure that can be answered. But I would say this. Uh, I believe that healing and the casting out of demons is a is a sign of the coming kingdom. 
In other words, when Jesus returns and the kingdom is here and we're in a new creation, there will no longer be sickness and there will no longer be Satan and the demonic powers. And so this kind of ministry is a taste of what's coming. It's a, uh, it's a sign of the kingdom. It's a sign of what it will be like when Jesus returns and reigns and there is no more sickness, no more death, no more devil. And we have this incredible union with God in this new world. Now, because it is a sign... And because it is a taste, it doesn't always happen. If it did always happen, then we'd be in the kingdom. <laughs> there would be no more sickness. There would be no more demonic powers. But I am convinced that the more we give ourselves to it, the more healing and deliverance we see. As we give ourselves to God... In this kind of ministry, as the more we share the gospel, the more we see people come to salvation. And I'm not just talking about because we're doing it more. I think there is an increase in breakthrough that you see as people give themselves to this. As we give ourselves to the works of Jesus. So the, the disciples uh, did what Jesus said to do. But I also would say this. They grew in what Jesus said to do. Now, if you look at the disciples, I mean, this was a hard day at the office. Here they were, trying to cast out a demon. It didn't work. They're being accused by the teachers of the law. They're not, they feel like they're not a great representation of Jesus and uh, the kingdom coming. Uh, they're probably asking themselves privately, you know, what's going on here in their own heart. So, you know, it's just a, it's just a bad day. And the temptation would be to say, you know, I'm just going to go back to fishing. I don't have to do this. <laughs> this is this is hard. This is difficult. This this is not something I signed up for. Uh, that would be the temptation. But I want you to see what the disciples do. And this is not recorded in Mark's, uh, in Luke's gospel, but it is recorded in Mark's gospel. It's Mark 9, 28, 29. It says this. After Jesus had gone indoors, this is after all this experience that they had been in. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus drives out the demon. And they said, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Now, there are a number of ways to interpret that. I think maybe one way to interpret it is Jesus was saying, you know, you were dealing with a pretty powerful spirit. And you need to be prayed up for this. You need to be... You need to go after God in your life in prayer and have a, a strong connection with Him to give yourself to this kind of, uh, this kind of ministry. And, uh, that, and that's one way to look at it. Uh, 
So, but what I want you to see in this passage is that the disciples didn't just quit. They get alone with Jesus, come back to him, and say, okay, what do we need to do? What's wrong here? Why didn't it happen? Teaching, he's teaching them how to prepare for ministry. He's teaching them how to do ministry. It's in our strong connection with the Lord Jesus that we see this power and authority flow out of our life. Too often, if we're disappointed, we quit. We say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. Uh, one of the finest sermons I ever heard was preached by Randy Clark. Uh, the finest sermon on healing I've ever heard was preached by Randy Clark. And, you know, Randy, uh, God moved upon him, and he was uh, kind of the catalyst for the Toronto Blessing and now Randy has an organization, and they go all over the world to pray for the sick. He's given himself to healing ministry uh, over and over again. But in this message, it was basically when healing doesn't happen. And Randy gave uh, a list of times where he prayed for the sick, and the healing didn't happen. And he shared the pain in his own heart that he couldn't see the breakthrough at that point. But he said, you know what happened in my own heart was that it gave me a greater determination to keep going because it's not right. It's not right. I want to see people healed. I want to see people transformed. I want to see them delivered. I want to see them saved. And so it, it, it put with me, in me, even with the hard times and the disappointing times to push harder into what Jesus has called us to do because in doing that we begin to see greater and greater breakthrough in our lives so so the the point of this passage i think is this do what Jesus does, even with doubt, even with risk, because there will be risk in it, even with inexperience. Give yourself to what he's called us to do. And, uh, and as we do that, he shows up in the midst of it, and we begin to see things happen. Um, so this morning I want to... I want us to kind of respond to the Lord uh, as we can in this message. And here's what I'd like to do. I would like for us uh, to, if, if you feel God's call in your own life, say, yes, Lord, I'm in on this. And I'm willing to give myself to this, to give myself to your works as, uh, as you're showing me at this time and I want to be a good disciple I want to give myself in this way uh, and you know there might be some ways you can do that night of healing prayer that we have here twice a month you might want to join that and begin to pray for folks it could be you just want to team up with some of the people who are down here doing ministry and just 
kind of learn from them and watch what's going on, give yourself in that way, or just as you're moving through the uh, the day, people mention, you know, I have this problem, this issue, to pray for them. I found many of you praying for me when I was dealing with shingles, and, and I appreciate it. I think that's a that's a posture of saying, you know, we believe that God wants to meet us in these ways. So uh, if, if you're feeling the Lord calling you to his works uh, through his power and authority, and you want to say, Lord, I want to step into that even more than I have previously, uh, then that's the invitation tonight, uh, today, and this morning. And I, I would say one of two things. You can respond to that invitation by coming and receiving communion. Uh, that might be one thing you want to do as you come and receive the communion. Lord, I, as I receive these elements I, I, uh, that represent you, that represent your presence, your work on the cross for us. I also am reminding myself that I'm receiving your power and authority to do your works. Or you may want to just have some folks pray for you in our prayer team will be down here and be glad to pray for you in that area and really kind of asking the Lord that you would see greater uh, manifestations of his spirit and of his authority through your life in the coming days as you uh, as you engage people. So uh, so listen, I want to pray and then we'll um, we'll go back into worship and the worship team can come on up and uh, let's just pray together. Lord, we thank you that as your disciples, as your followers, you have given us your power and your authority to do your works. And Lord, I I pray over this congregation, over this body, that we might be a people that are known for doing the works of Jesus. Not just living the life of Jesus, living out the life that you've called us into, but living out the works that you've called us to do. And I pray that we would be a people that pray for the sick, that come against the powers of the enemy, a people that share the good news with others so that they might enter into the kingdom. Lord, we we desire your spirit to rest upon us in power. And we desire, Lord, for your authority to manifest through our lives as we are in union with you, Lord, in union with your life. And so, Lord, I, I pray that uh, this would be a time that we re-up into the works of the kingdom, that we re-up into what you wanted in our lives in this time. If there's been some disappointment in our past that's called us to kind of get out of it, Uh, Lord, I pray that you would heal us of those disappointments uh, and that you would bring us back to a recognition, Lord, of your works in this age that would be a a testimony to you, a testimony to your greatness, and a testimony to the coming age when there will be no more sickness, there will be no more death, there will be no more devil there be freedom and joy in your presence forever. So, Lord, we, uh, we welcome your spirit to move upon us as we come. I, pray, I bless these elements, Lord, that represent your body and blood. I pray, Lord, that uh, 
there would not only be a, a, a means of grace for us today of your presence and of our salvation, but there would be a means of grace for your power and your authority to be released in our life in a new and a richer way than maybe we've ever known before. So as we partake, Lord, as we partake of these elements of your presence, we pray, Lord, that we would receive from you all that you have for us today. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We praise you. We bless you. Our great king, our lover. And Jesus, we want to follow you in all the fullness of what we have. So, Lord, we pray that you would, by your spirit, move upon us and empower us in a new level as a people. In Jesus' name, amen.